The Gospels are the accounts of the words and works of our Savior Jesus. It's there that we learn of the acts of love that mean for us forgiveness and everlasting life. Join us to study one of these Gospels, the book of Matthew. Read a chapter and then listen in as our pastors from Grace discuss the marvel of God's words to us. We hope that you listen to Jesus' words and that with us you grow. Here's another discussion on a chapter from the book of Matthew. Hey podcast listeners, it's most certainly true podcast, as you know, because you clicked on it and hit play, but we're <laughs> glad to have you here. Uh, glad that you're back. Uh, I'm Pastor Brian Hockman. I'm here with Pastor Jim Hebner. How are you today? I'm fine. Good to see you today, and glad we can take another look at a, another chapter in Matthew's Gospel. So Another great chapter. Yeah. Surprise, surprise, the yeah. pastors agree and approve of. Yeah. Chapter we don't, 18. <laughs> we don't typically, I, I guess we have to be careful of when we're pegging this in time and in history and the time of the year and so that these can be listened to any time. But isn't it true that there's another Hockman birthday this week? In the, of course, if there aren't too many weeks where there won't be a Hockman <laughs> birthday considering your family, but <laughs> is there one this week or is that next or something? Isn't there one coming up? Don't you have somebody with a birthday? Yes. I thought there so. There is one coming up. There is up. one. Okay. Yeah. Well, that'll be fun too. But with speaking of kids, Jesus is going to talk about kids in this chapter too, even smaller people than than your daughter that who's going to have a birthday. So that's a that's an interesting way to start because the disciples are coming to him here and we're in chapter 18. And this is not the only time they're asking. It'll happen again like they didn't listen the first time. Who's the greatest? And man, you're thinking you 12 disciples. Are you really right. that much rivalry How- or what's going on here? And how many different ways could Jesus have answered that? He could have thwapped him on the side of the head, that's a stupid question, or he could have poked him in the chest about their arrogance. Uh, yeah. Instead, he grabs some random child and says, this one right here is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. <laughs> you schmucks. <laughs> you think you're so great because you follow me around. Yeah, um, and you get to actually... do a few miracles or whatever. And... <laughs> yeah. It's people who trust like kids do. That's the point. Kids just trust. You know, yeah. that's the whole thing that Jesus is talking about. We, You've mentioned, and I've used it too, this is a passage that helps us think through, can babies, can little ones, can little kids be believers? The answer is, yeah. yeah. These little ones who believe in me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that tells us what? faith is, or what belief is yeah. right it's it's yeah. not a experiential i know everything and now i'm right. going to make the right choice it's a, it's a gift that god gives to us so he you gives to little just to demonstrate life. how that works at kids trust right so if you had your youngest child and we're happy to be sitting in your office and stood her up on the top of that shelf over here and stepped back and said to her jump with your arms extended and said to your daughter, jump, what would she do? She would jump. She'd jump right at your arms. Yeah. Your daddy. Right. She knows. Kids can trust. Kids just trust. Later on, we get to be adults, we start to lose that, you know. It's more like uh, Lucy in the football with Charlie Brown, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> you lose some of that edge of trust, you know. If, if you were up on the top shelf and you know, and I said, Trump, I don't know if I you would want to jump because you know I you either squish me or I wouldn't catch you, right? <laughs> we start to have our doubts as adults, but kids just trust. So who's the greatest in the kingdom? Well, it's 
people who simply trust like kids, because kids can have faith, they have trust, they have confidence in Jesus. And it's not blind, because they know who they're trusting in, right? It's not like standing in the other room and shouting at a daughter up on a shelf, jump. Well, no, you're there to catch her, because you're the dad, and you love her, and she knows it. So when Jesus says trust, it's not blind faith. No, it's trust because we know into whose arms we're jumping. (laughs) That's a beautiful thing. And don't mess around with this, Jesus said. Then he goes on, right, in this chapter? This childlike faith is is the greatest in the kingdom. And now the the word of warning against, are you going to mess around with a child's faith? Are you going to cause a child to stumble? You know, you're, you you're, a, you, you have, I have my kids grown up, I got grandkids, but you know, um, to think, and it's real, I've talked to people like this, that there actually are people, and there are, I've met them, I've talked to them, who have the idea, well, we'll just let our kids pick out what kind of, if they want to be spiritual later in life or not, if they want to do church or not, or religious or not. Because we don't want to force anything on them. We're going to let them make their choice. Really? So. Yeah, they wear it like a badge, right? Yeah. I'm a great parent because I'm not going to hoist my religion yeah. on them. I'm going to let them. And what you know what goes through my mind? Is, I, this is the kind of same parent who would give their, their one-year-old a fork and say, good luck stick it in your eye or, you know, whatever yeah. you're going to stick it with, a, you know, go ahead. Or you can play with knives. That's just fine. Right. Because, you know, you're, you're, we want you to make a choice. Right. Do you let your child yeah. choose whether or not to play in the street? Yeah. It was just, in fact, we're, <laughs> we're going to have candy buy you dinner. a bike for your sixth birthday and uh, no training wheels. And we're just going to set you on it and push you. And now you're on your own to learn how to ride a bike. What parent would do that? I mean, that's just, are you kidding me? Nobody would. But we'll let them choose that what religion, because a skinned knee off a bike, we wouldn't let that happen. Put a helmet on them, get training wheels, run behind them, hold the seat. But if they go to hell and spend eternity with the devil, that's okay. You know, really, it doesn't, it's not even logical. But maybe I'm a little biased in thinking about what parents <laughs> ought to be doing with their kids, you know? Jesus says it's serious stuff. You start messing with the kids trusted me, you might as well have a millstone around your neck. I've used this, actually, without trying to scare people. When you get a phone call, would you baptize our baby? You know, not a member. Let's get together and talk about it. I'd love to. And a lot of times in the years past, there's people who think in certain denominations that if you're going to have a pastor baptize your baby, even privately, they got to pay him. No, it's free. We're happy to. But let me tell you about it. So I usually tell them my story about, I'm not going to go into the great details, but, you know, like tomato plants, if you have a little tiny tomato plant by seed and it grows out of the pot, then you're going to eventually transplant it into your garden. But if you don't and put it in the closet in mid-May and don't open the closet till September... What happens to the plant? You're going to find a dead plant. That would be September. pretty dead, right? Yeah. And so you're going to plant faith in the baby's hearts by having me baptize your baby, and you don't follow up with nurture and words of God and prayer and singing Bible songs and stories at night. 
that's like the dead tomato plant. And then now you're now you've got to have the next line about the millstone around the neck thing. It's on you. I'll baptize your baby, but you, I'll help you too. By the way, our Grace Church is here for you to help nurture that faith. But if you mess with that, and just then you got to hear what Jesus has to say. That's serious stuff. <laughs> wow. Powerful stuff in this chapter, don't you think? Yeah, Man. for sure. So then, of course, what does he do right away when they're getting a little bit worried about, oh, I can't mess with it, but his love for the lost, his love for those who have wandered away. Uh, and he, that he, really is the connection, right? Yeah. The the little child is the greatest in the kingdom, and their faith is the greatest. And, and why does God warn about causing little ones to stumble? Because <laughs> they're so precious to him that he doesn't want anyone to... Uh, any faith to stumble anyone to uh-huh. uh, to be lost, and, and then he goes into this parable about. Uh, and if you the have as a, sheep. a sinner caused an adult somebody to sin, you better be maimed than end up in, you know, yeah, I mean, end up in heaven without that, a body part. Then that's a thread that ties the whole. Yeah, um, but I care about you enough that I'm going to be searching for you like lost sheep is the next story that connects right. it. So. But literally, Jesus says it actually would be better to be without a foot or a hand or whatever than end up in hell. Right. It's easy to—I've um, heard some people say, well, this is just hyperbole. Jesus is just <laughs> speaking larger than reality to make his point. He doesn't really want you to cut your hand off. He's just hes just saying—just elevating the yeah. language. But no, I think he is speaking literally here. He's talking about the heart, really. You know. Yeah. That's and, why that's why he doesn't want you to cut your hand off because you'll figure out ways to sin without your hand, yeah, right? Because yeah. it's a heart it's not problem. That's not the hand that's doing the sinning, right? Or, so if, I think is the biggest word in the, like in the that, sentence. Yeah. If your hand causes you to sin, if your whole body was totally perfect and you just had a messed up left hand, then that's an easy fix, right? Yeah. Cut off the hand and now you're, now you're perfect. But that doesn't that's that equation doesn't work. That's not his point. Right. So you go from who's the greatest? Well, it's a childlike faith. Any any adult, child, anybody who trusts me like kids do. But then you adults have screwed up once in a while and maybe you've not paid attention to your own and your child's faith. So don't cause anybody to stumble, but yet recognize I'm still a forgiving God and I'm out to search and seek you as a lost sheep. Because it's my love and my forgiveness that counts, and now we're at the rest of the chapter, which is all about forgiveness. How to how to how call to someone to repentance, and right. how to lovingly warn someone who mm-hmm. themselves are wandering sheep. Right. Probably the hardest thing for Christians to do is to oh. have the courage to be able to go to a fellow Christian and not be arrogant. You know, we have chapter five or ch- chapter seven, the beginning of chapter seven. If you got. Judging. Don't a yeah. stick in your eye. You're not going to be picking at a little speck in somebody else's. But take care of that first. That doesn't mean that Jesus is saying back in chapter 7, don't judge at all. No, he wants us to. But lovingly, not lovelessly. So here is now full circle near the end of the book, chapter 18, before Holy Week, we're going to have in the last six months of his life this instruction about reaching out in love and humility. But really do it and don't just let it go. You got somebody you care about. Why would you want them to just wander off into their sinfulness and die in hell? I mean, that's you don't want that. And this is not 
a three-step program of, okay, I talked to my friend, check, I came check, with somebody check, else, done. and then I come with a bunch of people, I tell the whole bunch of Christians, and then they're out. No, no, no. This is patience over time. Jesus just given the outline here, but do it. Care for people enough to to let them know that you love them and Jesus loves them, and they, they're, they're heading down the wrong path with their sinfulness. Right. That's the responsibility that we have to fellow Christians. Yeah. Uh, it's the responsibility that the church has to uh-huh. to say it publicly, the brothers and sisters that are members of of the right. church. When the sin uh, has become public and it's known, and we we brought that testimony to bear. In your early uh, ministry career, before joining us on our team at Grace, did you have an excommunication that you carried out? Did the church carry it out? I should say, not you. You're not right. the pastor kicking anybody out. We did have one. Yes. Yeah. I think in my years, this is a long time, but I think there might have been one, maybe two, but one I know for sure. You, you'd think, like, well, why wouldn't there be more? Because there's a lot of sin in the world, and there's, you know... The, the times we got close in other cases, and there were plenty, the people disappeared or resigned their membership prior to our action. Right. I remember sending letters to people who, in a way, they kind of self in a way, excommunication is all about self-cutting yourself off, and you're just announcing it. So they got a, basically the same announcement without it, us calling it that. Excommunication isn't kicking anybody out. It's the last step of love to tell people with all deep compassion the warning, please, we can see you're on a path that's away from God. Don't. Yeah. We had uh, actually... I had to write a Bible study, and our elders helped to teach it because it was pretty clear there was not a ton of understanding about what was uh-huh. actually yep. being, being requested of them. And so, obviously, Matthew 18 was one of the mm-hmm. uh, main focuses the key that, that we went through. But just this isn't, excommunication isn't, the church gets sick and tired of you, and they finally <laughs> boot you out. Um, which was based almost word for word the way that it was described as yeah. is this what we're doing? I'm like, well, no, no, not at all. Especially since the <laughs> rest of the all. chapter bears it out because right. Peter says, "How many times we forgive?" Well, endless times, and the answer is God still forgives. But finally, you have to be honest to say to people, if you're going to kick Jesus in the face and throw his forgiveness in the gutter and stick your tongue out at him, we have to be honest enough to tell you, stop it, don't do that, and you're going to put yourself in danger of hell if you're putting doing that. Right. And I think what was helpful in that particular context was recognizing the church's responsibility is basically to declare what the person has already has, done has to already themselves. Done. Right, exactly. So the church is just making a declaration. They mm-hmm. are not they're Con- not taking a person from heaven and sending them to hell. They're they're just you you have stepped outside of mm-hmm. the confines of the church. And as far as we can see, can't look in your heart. We're not God, but we're we're telling you that as far as we can see, you're headed to hell. And that's sad, but it's gotta be done in, in love. Now um the church the church refusing, dragging their feet or refusing to say that doesn't change the spiritual condition of the That's sinner. right. Um if anything, it makes it worse because they're no, they're not warned. Yeah, um, it's like saying to somebody with cancer is starting to course through their body, and now you're the doctor, and you found out with a pathology that it's happening, and you don't tell them. Right? Oh, it would well, be that, so hard to tell that person that they've got cancer. Okay, yeah. So we we'll just, we'll just won't tell them, and you could have. Yeah. <laughs> now the prognosis would have been different. Now they're it's worse be because worse. they yeah. can't undergo treatment or right, anything. Right. 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 
So that's the whole point. It's all done out of love. And can somebody who has been excommunicated, we'll use the term, you know, that last step of love announced that, that they're, as far as we can see, as far as we know, going to hell. Can they, can they still be forgiven? Can they still trust that and come back to faith and then rejoin the church and end up in heaven? The answer is? Yeah. Yeah? Absolutely. Of course. That's what it's for. That's it's the, the whole point. That's the goal. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. is... Um, What's the passage that it First Corinthians that makes that really clear? Paul says, "Hand them over to Satan." Oh yeah, so they can on the last day. Yeah. Should we be quiet for a little while so I can paste in? And we can no, we can get that. That's just fine because it's it's, it's easy to dig five, out. Right? Chapter five is when he's doing the yeah. discipline thing, right? And um, please stand by, yeah, for Bible passage. <laughs> Expel the wicked person from among you is how the chapter ends, right? Is that what you're thinking about? But then it's in Second Corinthians where the forgiveness is offered. So maybe that's hand this man over to Satan so that the sinful nature may be destroyed and the spirit saved on the day of the Lord. That's is what the one that you're thinking in the spirit. Yeah, that's in why, chapter why five. Why should you hand him over to Satan? Not because you're sick of dealing with it, or right. because it's a pain, or or because it's putting a black mark on the church. Mm-hmm. No, it's so that God can work. So that yeah, that's the final jolt of wake up yeah. and see the forgiveness that you're throwing away. Is is all the more preci- precious when you see the nature of forgiveness in action in the story that finishes the chapter. It's just one of those just beautiful stories that Jesus tells about you know this this unmerciful servant who doesn't forgive when he had been forgiven, and it's just that doesn't seem to add up. It, but that's it's what, you one know. of the most powerful parables yeah. in, my, in my mind. So to just recognize how, where I am in this and how <laughs> how God must look at it when I when I hold a grudge against someone or when I goodness like, sakes <sighs> yeah <laughs> it's so humbling and he's forgiven me for my tons and yes. that little thing yeah that I'm not able to handle so we learn a lot from Jesus as he's winding down the last 6 months in his ministry and heading um eventually toward Jerusalem but this is another powerful chapter and yeah very grateful that, of course, this is all most, most certainly, certainly true. Thanks for joining us in our effort to read and grow through the Gospel of Matthew. We'd love to share more Jesus with you. Learn more about Grace at our website, www.gracedowntown.org. There you'll find worship times, Bible study resources, links to our digital media resources, our pastor's contact info, and a lot more about our ministry in and to downtown Milwaukee. We hope to connect you to the grace of God again soon.